Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay, today we are talking to Olivia Wagner, who's a dietitian. Um, she's going to share a lot of information about like really cool things to do with food and kind of big, big picture thing. I'm, I'm excited to talk. This is going to be a great episode. So Olivia is an integrative and functional dietitian who believes that health is a positive vitality, not just an absence of disease. So targeting food as medicine and mind-body lifestyle interventions, she takes a comprehensive and individualized approach to counseling each of her clients. Olivia is passionate about a whole food approach to nutrition and has a knack for developing easy to prepare, innovative and wholesome recipes to support health and functional healing. And that is what I'm seeing in our content today that gets me really excited, just like fun food ideas. So her background is in nutrition for athletic performances. So she has this unique skill set where she can integrate sports nutrition techniques into her practice and help athletes and clients like optimize training and performance. But some of the other areas she practices in and is very passionate about include GI health, just like me, we're RD sisters in that way, mindful eating, body positivity, farm to table practices and ancestral plant focused nutrition. So in her free time, Olivia loves to travel, practice yoga, experiment in the kitchen, play with her golden retriever and cheer on her favorite Chicago sports teams. So Welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me today, Krista. Yeah, it's going to be a treat. So um, you have some great like concepts and buzzwords and cool ways to think about things. So let's talk a little bit about food as... um, Well, actually, let's talk about your background a little bit. Why don't you tell us how you got to this? Because this isn't the norm, right? You aren't the norm when when you go to become a registered dietitian and then you end up in functional and integrative. So why don't you give us a quick cap on how that happened? Yeah, so... When I first studied, started studying nutrition in my undergrad, I was really drawn to this grander idea about food, you know, that we should be eating a little bit closer to the earth. We should be, you know, focusing more on how we can improve your health versus just shifting it once things have already started to go down the drain. And I found dietitians in integrative and functional medicine, and they are a practice group of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And I slowly fell in love with everything that they were speaking about and became a student committee chair when I was in my undergrad. And from there, continued to 
explore into the space of how food can serve as information and medicine for your body. And I recently was certified through Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy. Uh, They have a board certification for integrative and functional nutrition therapies. And so that was a big continuing education that I did following my master's program in nutrition and physical performance. But I ended up at SLU because they were one of the only programs at the time that had a more comprehensive approached program where it was dealing with more wellness in addition to just um, nutrition therapy in a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and stepping into corporate wellness after my internship and after I finished grad school, I was still looking to dive a little bit deeper into that functional nutrition realm. So getting my IFNCP, um, starting to work in integrative health care clinics across Chicago has been a really, really insightful um, step for me in better understanding different modalities through acupuncture and through working with different health providers like naturopaths, MDs. Uh, yoga therapist, homeopathy is something that is currently provided at the practice that I'm at, as well as things like healing touch. And um, we do some work with IVs. So I've been very fortunate to be in settings where I can be exposed to this broader space of health and also have had the amazing opportunity to be surrounded by other dietitians who are wanting to pave their um, nutrition in that same sort of way. Yeah, I, I think it's I think you are fortunate and I think um, to be in that place where you have that that really integrative clinic, as you were describing me off air, where you have all those modalities in one place. I mean, just a really, really cool place, essentially. Yeah. And we really get to see people change their lives in a way that I've never been able to before. Right. For sure. Because there's so many resources there. So. <laughs> So let's talk about food as information. Um, this is this is a term you wanted to really go over and kind of talk about as a basic. So let's talk about what food as information is and how that fits into a food as medicine model. And so foods are flavorful. Foods are delicious. Foods, you know, are an expression of creativity, but they're also changing the expression of our DNA, impacting the bacteria in our digestive tracts and impacting our cellular health and levels of inflammation throughout our body. And so every time, you know, we take a bite of food, it's really giving our body this like data bite of information. And so we want to, you know, instruct our genes wisely. And one of the best ways to approach this is starting with getting hands on in the kitchen. Yeah, totally. Um, and I love how you talk about this because we can turn genes on and off depending on when we do. I don't know. I'm guessing you're doing nutrigenomics in practice, which is um, doing food to impact your genetic expression. But basically, uh, I always tell people that I often don't start there because you need to have good basics or good foundation because it's really, they're they're really lifestyle and and good whole quality food actions no matter what anyway, right? Yes, I would absolutely agree. You know, we do touch on that a little bit in practice, but there's still so much research I think that needs to be led into. And it really does come back to a lot of those foundational basics. And we know about a few genetics that we can definitely make um, specific health shifts in and especially related to Alzheimer's and, you know, utilization of B vitamins. But really, I'm trying to take people back to that kind of whole food space. Yeah. So let's get specific about foods that you're wanting people often to incorporate or add to improve that whole food as information um, communication in the body. Yeah. So what we want to think about is foods that are going to be supporting our body as a whole. And so things that will be supporting that cellular nourishment, which I mentioned, 
natural detoxification processes, proliferation of that gut, gut microbiota, methylation, the organs necessary to support digestion, and fighting cytokines and reducing inflammation in your system. And so, you know, chiseling that down, I like to talk to my patients and clients about a food as medicine toolkit. And so in this toolkit, we have things like cruciferous vegetables, you know, that would include like broccoli, bok choy, arugula, even cilantro, herbs and spices. So things ranging from um, cumin to turmeric to ginger to cinnamon, citrus zest and the bitter compounds present in that. So orange, lemon, lime zest, bitter plants that, you know, support gallbladder health, um, including things like even radicchio or, you know, the roots of or the leaves of a beet plant or incorporating um, other, you know, like bitter tannins found in endive. Bright colored produce and anti-inflammatory oils are also other things we want to be thinking about in our toolkit because colors, you describe phytonutrients. You know, the eyes are a really great way to gauge that without obsessing over every single vitamin and mineral. If we're getting two to three colors on our plate, that's a really beautiful way. Um, two to three colors from plant-based foods. I'm not talking Skittles here, but um, a beautiful way to be thinking about, you know, integrating those small plant chemicals because we also want to think about foods as not just vitamins and minerals, but how they act synergistically, you know, within each other and, um, and among each other. And I think that one story that I always talk about is the case of turmeric. And I don't know if you share this with your clients a lot, but it wasn't, um, it's a little bit of a long story, but through research, we essentially identified that um, curcumin, the active ingredient in turmeric, turmeric really is um, most potent and effective when combined with pepperine found in black pepper. And that's always been traditional in Indian countries and curries. But, you know, when we tried to isolate that turmeric here in the United States or in research studies, we were just looking at that curcumin by itself, you know, it wasn't as effective. And so I think it's really important to think of things as a whole and how fiber and different phytochemicals could be playing into the utilization of those vitamins and minerals too. Um, I think there's still a lot of data we don't know. And so we want to eat foods in its whole form. Yeah. It's, synerg- it's synergistic, right? Actually, to, talk, to tag on to that little curcumin and turmeric thing, there's another episode that was coming out about the same time your episode is coming out. And the man who is presenting, he has a, um, a, a turmeric beverage or curcumin beverage. And so we talk about really the inspiration for it. His, he was visiting his father in Pakistan. And in their culture where they grew up, it's called haldi, um, where they mix turmeric with oil because I guess um, curcumin is actually fat-soluble which I didn't necessarily realize. I knew it was in yeah. the absorption is so much more improved by bio or purpurine, however you want to say it, piperine, uh, the black pepper compound. But, um, so they're used to delivering it in oil, but his story of how they kind of decided to do this product to change, you know, to try, they wanted to do something to help improve the world. Right. And so, um, his, his dad had diabetic neuropathy or diabetic foot pain. And so his aunt, put on some Haldi, some turmeric and oil combination. And within an hour, his pain was gone. And so it's just kind of fun ways to talk about, you know, food doesn't always, it's kind of funny, because food doesn't even always mean just internal, right, I guess, in that way, if we think about it. Yeah. And now, you know, like golden milk, which has been traditionally consumed, you know, in India, and those like that, again, you know, has that fat source, it has the, that coconut milk, or, you know, includes a little bit of um, whole milk or coconut oil as ways to help that absorption too. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this as a toolkit because it feels like something you can sort of 
like put a check mark next to as a benchmark to accomplish, yeah. right? Because often we kind of say things loosely, like add this and add this and add this. And you're saying like, make it super intentional, make a toolkit. These are the things that you need to do. Like these are the um, things to try to add to this. Um, I, I like the, I like the way you're, you're presenting that. It's really cool. And I think it relieves some anxiety for people too, in making dietary and health changes. None of this is expected to happen overnight, but these are things that you might be considering starting to grocery shop for, starting to look for in recipes, starting to try to integrate into your daily habits or as a part of your routine. And we know that it's not wise to eat the same foods every single day over and over again, because as we were talking about the broad benefits of, you know, the vitamins and minerals in plant-based foods, we want a variety present because they don't all have the same ones. So we want to make sure I often give clients and patients a tool made by the Institute for Functional Medicine called the phytonutrient spectrum. And what that has on it is it's basically a color-coded list of vegetables, fruits, plant compounds from, you know, basically going through the colors of the rainbow And it's something that I suggest, you know, pasting up on your refrigerator or leaving in your kitchen as even inspiration for shopping. And then also supporting, you know, the intuitiveness of where maybe nutrient gaps are in my diet. Am I not getting those anthocyanins from, you know, like the purple and blue colors, you know, am I missing that? Could I maybe purchase, you know, wild blueberries and leave those in the freezer? Could I maybe add, you know, purple cabbage to a slaw this week? So helping you to start, you know, actually seeking, doing a little nutrient seeking and intentional, taking an intentional approach to adding vitamins, minerals to your diet. Right. And this is a good way, like you can really involve kids in this as well, right? Because we just think it's a simple way to just think about like exactly like you said, just eyeball it. Like if you have good color, you're getting great nutrients. You don't have to get too micro. I mean, that kind of helps us, that helps motivate us to to that action. Um, But you can really make it simple by just going to the grocery store, picking a new color every time, right? Yeah. And I think that especially for like specific disease states and, you know, as you're working more closely with someone, you're going to get into the nitty gritty. But when we're thinking like sustainably over like how you want to be thinking about building your plate for your lifetime, that's a really great way to approach it. Yeah, for sure. So you started talking about nutrient seeking. Can you kind of bridge that gap? So food is information. Every bite of food is sending communication or messages to your body. But let's talk about nutrient seeking. I mean, and maybe you already feel like you touched about on this a little bit, but maybe reiterate. Why is that concept important in kind of having a great nourished life? And so I think it makes it a little bit more fun. Honestly, sometimes nutrition can be a little bit scary or like feeling like you have to change your diet can be um, restrictive feeling or exclusive. And this, you know, really takes an inclusive approach. So how you can start to look for foods that you want to fill your diet with and foods that are flavorful. So it gives it a fun spin. And I think a more like food positive approach to nourishing your diet. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking for these particular nutrients, you know, it makes it, it just, it's a mindset shift. Yeah, cool. Exactly. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, you know, what are some issues and this is, these are the areas we work in often, right? So sometimes we have barriers or things that stand in the way of using any food as medicine in the kitchen, right? So maybe there is some health condition present, or there's some sensitivities to food or something like that. Um, what are, what do you say about, about those, those issues? Yeah. And this is something that I run into a lot in practice and often 
it's a place we kind of have to start and work through a little bit, but it might be things like food sensitivities or shifts in microbiota, like bacterial overgrowth or candidiasis, things that could be impeding, you know, really the digestion and absorption of some of your nutrients. Um, it could be undiagnosed health conditions or, you know, changes in um, your lipids, you know, hypercholesterolemia, or it could be that you're a pre-diabetic. And so we want to think about the foods that you need to support your individual biochemistry. And this, this is always going to be evolving. There's always going to be certain changes in your eating patterns to support things like this. And it might just be warranted for a period of time. But, um, you know, as a part of the food as medicine toolkit, a few other things that I regularly include are like cultured foods, fermented foods, things that um, omega-3 fatty acids. And I think that those three really fall also into this category because, you know, if you have bacterial overgrowth and you're eating a lot of fermented foods, maybe you think you're nutrient seeking and you're, you know, trying to build up that good microflora um, in your digestive tract, but you're feeling really bloated or you're seeing a lot of loose stool or finding just that you're really digestively uncomfortable. You know, if there's the bacterial overgrowth present, that's actually feeding some unideal bacteria. And so we want to make sure that with those food is that food is medicine toolkit, we're using it appropriately and therapeutically at times, um, based on what your chemistry is and what your body is, you know, sharing with us. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk applications. Uh, what are you, what are your tips? What are some go-to strategies you share with clients for cooking techniques or, or anything to, to improve one, I'm, I think a common, common, common pushback is, you know, my family won't eat X, Y, Z thing. So how do you increase acceptability of new foods? Um, even for picky eaters, um, you know, let's talk about different cooking techniques and how to, how to apply some of this stuff that you're talking about. Absolutely. So Rebecca Katz has been, um, one of my favorite recommendations to my clients and patients as a recipe resource because she really talks a lot about flavor combining. And I love to share this technique that she developed called um, FAS, F-A-S-S. And that stands for fat, acid, salt, and sweet. And it really helps to make meals taste really nice. And so if you have a meal that feels like it's missing something or you're not really liking the flavor of it, run through FAS in your head. Does it have a fat? Does it have an acid? Does it have a salt? Does it have something sweet? And so like the fats we might be thinking about could be like olive oil, avocado, coconut milk. Those support satiety. They provide a richness to meals and they help to kind of bring out flavors. Acids help to um, bring brightness to a dish, kind of cut through maybe like some more muted flavors. They help to support, um, you know, brightening vegetables and the natural flavors found in those. Salt helps to break down actually vegetable fiber. And so it allows you to release some of like the muted flavors that could be present there. But it also adds, um, you know, it really helps to kind of mute any bitterness that's present in a, in a vegetable too. And then the sweetness that again really helps to counteract that bitter. And it can be really great for, um, you know, especially if you're using things like maple syrup, honey, fresh fruit, or dates, you're getting vitamins and minerals there that are not only providing that sweet taste that people are really inclined to lean toward, but they're also providing a, providing a little vitamin and mineral too. Cool. So fast is one of my favorites for like boosting flavor. Cool. I think about fast for developing like dressing recipes all the time, but I didn't think about it in context of the entire meal. So you've, you, you've changed my brain thoughts on that. So I like it. 
Um, but for those who really struggle with, you know, trying to increase acceptability of certain foods in their household, you know, they're cooking for large groups. I think that always trying to pair something new with something that's a little bit familiar can be helpful. And so maybe if it's like you're trying a new vegetable and you know, your kids really there, they will eat almost anything that has Parmesan cheese on it. You know, maybe you do like an aged, um, sharp cheese on top of those veggies. I think that making purees or like combining a potato with something like a parsnip or like a carrot or a sweet potato is another way to add another colorful vegetable to a food that is already accepted within the family. Mm-hmm. And then playing around with, you know, I think a big thing is like if there's a vegetable, for example, and I know I've been speaking a lot to vegetables, it seems to be the area that gets the most kickback with um, people struggling to find acceptance for. And so trying them in with different preparations, whether it's sauteing or roasting, or, you know, maybe it is diced or shredded into a salad. It doesn't always have to just be eaten steamed or just eaten in one preparation. There's a lot of different ways that you can navigate a vegetable. And I think that um, sometimes for even young kids, if it's, if they are, um, if they accept meat or things like meatballs or meatloaf, grinding up like a little shiitake mushroom or a little broccoli or um, carrots into a meatball or a meatloaf is a really easy way to add in some different phytonutrients to their diet. Yeah. And it really augments the flavor, right? So sometimes when I, I'm feeling fancy, so you guys can go home and take this with you for the weekend, you know, the French use something called mirepoix and it's basically just carrot, celery, and onion, but that's their basis of flavor. So like the last time I made tomato soup, I did mirepoix first because it adds a different and more complex, but delicious flavor. And so a lot of times people eat it and just say, Oh, this is so good. It's just a little different. Um, but also keeping another big piece here is keeping food communication positive because it's so calm. It's so, um, easy to assign threats to kids like you have to eat everything on your plate. Whereas when we try to keep it more positive, we're probably going to have more success. Um, because sometimes, you know, kids are used to seeing bland, boring colors, um, just because we sort of have these kids menus that are bland, boring colors, which is another topic, um, which is kind of like, it's, you know, it's just, why do we think that they need a special menu that's not the same as the rest of us? I'm not sure, but they like these bland, they're used to these bland, boring colors. So sometimes if they see a new color, if you mix in, you know, sweet potato and with another potato, what are they going to think? But really, if you, if you chalk it up as cool, it's orange, you know, you can cross that off on your rainbow today, then it makes it, it changes the conversation. Totally making it cool and giving them the empowerment to like pick out a vegetable for themselves in the grocery store. You know, maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe they don't know what it is, but you get to play with it together in the kitchen and make it into something. Um, again, kind of making it like an exploration for them. Like they've even creating a dialogue where like they're, they went to the jungle of the grocery store. They picked up a new vegetable and you know, now you're going to eat it together. Like it's this, it creates this um, extraordinary journey for them. Mm-hmm. I do. And I mean, we know this, but I do find that when my kids plant, and I'm not saying I have a green thumb, but radishes, for example, grow in 28 days. So I find that my when my kids actually plant those, they're much more interested in eating what they made, right? Yeah. Kids are smart. And I think we just got to give them a little bit more credit. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, no one's perfect here. These are just ideas. And it's like a continued uphill process sometimes because sometimes they get messages that are different from different sources. So it's not always so straightforward. But so one of my favorite things that you wanted to talk about when I was reading through some of your content, um, Olivia, is that you have this granimal approach. Um, So here's a scoop, like 
it's two o'clock, haven't eaten, or don't have a plan for supper, like, what do you do? Like, how do you decide, here's how I'm going to develop a meal plan for tonight? Yeah. Okay. So I've seen this over and over again when working with clients and patients. And I've just found taking this granimal or kind of um, combining, like mixing and matching different macronutrient groups, essentially, on your plate is like an easy way to think about planning meals and making something quick. And so I like to talk about PCF3 meals, which stands for proteins, quality carbohydrates, healthy fat, fiber, and ferments. And I know that it's a total mouthful, so it's a lot easier to see on paper. So the easiest way to break that down is we're looking for a protein option as number one, a flavorful flavorful fat option as number two, flavorful fat, and as option number three, a colorful carbohydrate. And so a lot of times that comes down to like making a batch of roasted vegetables, or maybe it's even having like some organic frozen vegetables in your freezer or a sweet potato on hand that you could quickly bake. But I think that having something available for your colorful carbohydrate is one of the easiest ways to get in those, um, get those two to three colors on your plate and start to get in that fiber that's supportive to your gut health and those phytonutrients into your belly. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, will you like, repeat? Will you repeat the other ones? It was proteins, fat, carbs, but then you added a couple other F's and you said ferments. And what was the other one? Fiber. Fiber. Thank you. I like the I like the play on that. That's cool. Yeah. So to shorten it, it's really protein, fat, and like vegetables is what we're thinking about. But PCF three would be getting everything in there together. Okay. Cool. So give me some examples of what this looks like. Yeah. So for protein, something that I often suggest is, and it's nice to forecast for your PCF3 meals. So thinking a little bit at the start of the week, I know these are kind of backup meals, or they could be intentional, you know, like we're planning on eating this Wednesday, Thursday night, whatever it might be. But the idea would be that maybe you would pick a protein. So it could even be, I give a little template for making your own meatball and burger patty and breakfast sausage. So you pick your protein, you pick your herbs and spices, and whether you roll it into a ball, burger patty, or little sausage patties, what defines what it is. You can bake it, you can saute it, you can grill it, but as soon as it cools, you can pop it in your fridge or you can freeze it off. And then that's something you're hitting that two or three o'clock time in the afternoon where you're like, what am I going to eat? Maybe the kids are gone. Maybe you know you have a meeting later in the evening and you really aren't going to have time to put something on the table. Maybe you pull out those grass-fed beef meatballs you made, you can... um, you know, spiralize a zucchini noodle and saute it with a little olive oil. And then you've got, you know, a a quick meal. My favorite option for flavorful fat is I make batch, um, batches of pesto in advance. And so that can be things like sun-dried tomato pesto with pine nuts or basil pesto with walnuts, or it can be my detox pesto, which is just lemon zest, cilantro, basil, and parsley has no nuts or seeds in it. And you blend it with some high quality olive oil freezing those off. If, um, I put them in little two to four ounce Mason jars, and then it's something you can thaw in just a little bit of warm water while you're getting your other pieces of the meal together. And then in 15 minutes, you don't only have a balanced meal on your plate, but you have something that's really flavor packed too. And you've just done that part in advance. Yeah. I love batching sauces because I love a good flavorful sauce, like a pesto, but you don't always like, you don't have have time to make that. So make multiple when you do. And I think that's a great way to nutrient seek too, because then you can add like things like watercress into your pesto, or, um, it's, you're making sure that you're getting some of those phytonutrient packed herbs into your diet, like cilantro and parsley and, 
basil. And so I think that it's a good way to set you up for success in that arena too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how about you, you're feeling like you're in a slump because so many people kind of eat the same things on repeat um, because we just like creatures of habit and it's easier if you've already done something. So what about when you're just feeling like, oh, you have no meal inspiration or you just don't feel like doing anything? Like what are your thoughts on reviving uh, the life in, in um, excitement around food? Yeah. I think turning to a cookbook is a really great way to draw inspiration. Even if the cookbook doesn't fully jive with, um, I mean, now today there is such a wide selection of cookbooks available that, you know, can fit different dietary preferences, but just even like turning on the cooking channel or looking at a cookbook, it gives you different ideas of maybe like a vegetable that you're not using or a technique or like a, you know, whether it's pureeing something or dicing something fine, sometimes just having even like a different visual experience on your plate can be reviving in a sense. Yeah, I that that's exactly what I do is I just turn when I'm feeling like super slumpy, I just turn on the Food Network and just see what they're making and think, oh, I could make something similar to this. Um, and it's kind of funny that you say that I was just I have to go to a, a holiday party. And so um, one of the things was to bring a cookbook to exchange. And so I was looking through what I might want to part with. And I ran across a cookbook that I probably got at least 10 years ago. And I at the time I was like, Oh, these recipes are like, I don't have access to some of these ingredients, or I, this isn't an option for me. And so I think it's kind of funny to revisit something. So I'd gotten rid of similar cookbooks by the same author, because at the time 10 years ago, I couldn't find arugula very frequently in my town of 20,000. And now it's like, in my town, tiny town. So um, my point is, is sometimes, if you found if you had a resource that didn't work for you a long time ago, sometimes it's good to bring it out now because maybe you're in a different place in life and maybe you're ready to use those recipes or you feel like, oh, these are easy now. Um, so it's just kind of a, a fun way to think about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also, you know, getting together with a friend, maybe doing like a cook day together where you make a few recipes that you've decided on or you do like some meal swaps is another way to kind of, you know, boost some excitement again if you're in a little bit of a food rut. I think that... um also just introducing some new tools. And so a few of my favorites, I could not live without my microplane. I don't know about you, but my microplane is my favorite tool in the kitchen. I use it for zesting limes and lemons, for grating turmeric and ginger and garlic. Grating garlic is a game changer. You know, putting it on that microplane and getting it really fine. It like evenly disperses through a vinaigrette. It's great for just tossing in like roasted vegetables after you've already cooked them. It's a game changer. You got, you must try it. Um, um, good call. I loved, I used to love, I forgot about this. This was years ago. I used to love pressing garlic cloves on the end of a, like at the end of cooking a pizza, right? So like close to the end when it was done, go press it all over the place. It like changed everything. And actually, if you press those garlic cloves and you let them sit for about five minutes, it really enhances some of the um, phytochemical compounds present in the garlic that are really important for detoxification support. And so that's kind of a little food as medicine tip um, in, in that as well. Mm -hmm. So a microplane, in case anyone doesn't know by chance, it's like a m tiny grater. Not even like it's small, and but the little holes are teeny tiny small, right? So not big shreds, but little little tiny micro shreds. So like, and that's how you really can zest super easily like a, a citrus. Yeah, and I'll even do like a good hard cheese on there and it comes out really fine and it just adds a little bit of like saltiness and um, a shift of flavor to whatever you're cooking too. But it's not like big, big hunks of cheese necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
I like that idea. That's cool. Also like things like a, I love the little handheld vegetable spiralizer. It's not as intimidating as the big one. And that's something you can throw in your lunchbox and you can spiralize a zucchini like on the spot at your lunch meal, or it's just easy for like a single serve, um, you know, dinner. If you are going to throw together like a quick, um, protein fat, um, fiber rich vegetable meal. And I love playing around with things like food. My food processor is one of my favorite tools. And there's also the Nutribullet, which is, I think has a lot of purpose to it outside of smoothies. You can make soups in there. You can make, I make pestos in there. Sometimes I'll make like olive top nods and it's nice because it's just a little handheld one. And I sometimes feel like it's a little easier to clean. Yeah, I do. That is one thing that gets forgotten a lot, a lot is olive top nods. That's a good one. Um, so on the note of food processors, my now husband, when we were dating early, I knew I was going to keep him early on because he heard my hint about needing a food processor in college and he bought me one for the next month for Valentine's Day. And then, you know, shortly after we were married, I got rid of it because I didn't use it that often because it was a big food processor. And now I borrow my um, in-laws food processor whenever I need to shred zucchini big, but I just use a three or four cup one and I use it constantly because it's small, easy to get out, easy to make sauces. You know, that's all I use is just my little baby one. Oh, there was this one, there was once tool called the, the something stick, but basically it's like a mini food processor. Like I, so I can get two to three cup one and then it's got an immersion blender and a whisk all like in one kit. And I think it's under a hundred dollars. It's great. Weird. If you see that, send it to me. I will. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. So, <laughs> so let's talk, um, other favorite food is medicine resources and products to help really simplify it. Cause we talked about some things that might be kind of big new. They're not like always every day. Like the goal is to make these everyday things. So now I can go take my microplane, set it right next to my oven. So that way I'm like using it more intentionally. Cause if it's in a drawer, I might not use it intentionally because today you've inspired me to do that. Um, But let's talk about other things for making life simple, because we all need to simplify things, but we still want great flavor and taste and quality. Absolutely. So the I mentioned cookbooks, that Rebecca Katz one I love, I think is great. Her favorite of mine right now is the Healthy Mind Cookbook. So something just fun is inspiration. We talked about a few of those products that you could pick up. So like microplane, the vegetable spiralizer. There's a brand called Simple Mills, They're actually headquartered here in Chicago with me, and they do an amazing job of nutrient-seeking already, in my opinion. They focus on ingredients that both you and your body can recognize, and it's something that you can integrate, you know, in your cabinets and in your pantry as another way to supplement food as medicine-focused meals. And so, you know, maybe it's using their crackers with a salmon dip, or um, they have baking mixes that use coconut flour and almond flour, so again, fit with a lot of dietary modifications, but really are also focusing just around including more whole food ingredients. Yeah. And I can attest to the fact that I don't think I knew about Simple Mills for very long, but I went to one of their events when I was in DC at the dietitian conference recently. And I I knew a little bit about them before, but man, I like filled my cupboard with their stuff because it's really like, there's very few ingredients it's really high quality ingredients. So it's, um, it's technically a, they're all gluten-free products. I think they all are. They're almond, what coconut, are they almond and coconut? I think, um, but they don't taste like it necessarily, right? They taste quote unquote normal, right? They they taste fantastic. They would just fool anyone that maybe wasn't used to that. Right. That's kind of what I take away from it. Like I love their stuff. I don't know how they're doing it, honestly, because it, it's just perfect. Like no other company is doing it so simply that tastes that good. So they're a favorite of mine too. 
My dad is a very hard sell. I mean, I've made things over the years. My poor family has been subjected to a lot of recipe development um, in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I've heard things like, well, it was palatable. <laughs> it was, you know, and he eats simple meals and he's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And it like my kids are like, oh, can I have those muffins, mom? Absolutely. You can eat all these muffins if you want. I don't feel bad about these. So um, they feel like they're really good. They're good nutrients is my point. So they're not like simple, simple carbs. Like the goal is these are good, like, but they taste fantastic. So it makes me happy. Yeah. And so back to it being like a food as medicine kind of product, that's, it's something that can supplement your meal. You know, you can still like, they have a pizza crust and they have, artisan bread mix. And so it's not like it's becoming your meal, but it's something that can create a little bit more fun and add maybe a little bit more normalcy to some of the meals that you've had while you're looking to add in more plant-based fiber and, you know, different phytochemical sources from like herbs and spices that we're talking about here. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, um, Olivia, if someone's listening today and they say, wow, that was all fantastic, but where do I start? What is your gut reaction to tell them? So I have created a nutrient-seeking ebook that will be posted on my website, livenourishnutrition.com. Feel free to go on over there. It's a free ebook. Download it and start, you know, practicing your food as medicine strategies in the kitchen. Cool. All right. I was going to ask you where people can find you, but it's livenourishnutrition.com. Livenourishnutrition.com. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that'll be in the show notes. It's a food as medicine nutrient-seeking ebook. Excellent. Anything else you wanted to add, Olivia? You know, don't be afraid to stumble as you're starting to do some nutrient seeking and cooking in the kitchen. Not everything is going to turn out perfect. You know, treat it as a learning experience and allow it to be fun. It's supposed to be fun as well as nourishing. So um, enjoy your food as medicine journey. Perfect. Love that tip. Thanks, Olivia. Of course. Thanks for having me, Krista. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock.